Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Smattering where we ask the important questions about investing. I'm Jason Hall and joined by my good friend Jeff Santoro, Voice of the people, how are you, Jeff? I am doing well, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, full disclosure here, making of the sausage. This is our second attempt to record this podcast. I won't, I won't explain why we're having to do it twice. It, it is a shame, though, because the first version was, ba- it was the world's best podcast and no one will ever hear it. So it was perfect. It was, it was perfect. perfect. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's only downhill from here. Hey, Jeff, I, I will say your your audio, your microphone sounds really good today. Thanks, man. Today, I, today it sounds good. That's an odd thing to point out, but I I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, there's no specific reason that I would be pointing out that your audio sounds great today. The day after we were unable to successfully record this same podcast. So, with that said, Jeff, with that out of the way. I got an email from a buddy of mine, and it was funny because it's something that you and I had talked about, that the episode that we're about to record, it's about this. So think about where we are. It's late August, August 23rd. I haven't looked at the market today, Jeff, but I know stocks are down over over the past week or so. Stocks are pretty down, you know, since the beginning of the year. And it was in mid-June, S&P 500 was down like 23%, full bear market territory. The NASDAQ was down like a third, down 30%, right? So big, big bear market for tech stocks and for a lot of growth stocks. And then we got a two-month run that was really, really good. Market bounced back, looking good, still down by double digits. The market has started to recover. And here we are again, like a week into another little bit of a, a sell-off. What's going on? What's the question? What's the question that people seem to want to know the answer to? The question is, and, and you and I get asked this a lot, even outside of this podcast, but the question oh, is, will, will there be another market crash this year? This is what everyone wants to know, that we, we, were, we were down a lot, then it was up a little bit, now it's back down. So everyone's thinking, oh man, was the last month or two just false hope? Is this just a couple week dip? Where are the we? old bear market rally, right? What's, right. So that's that's the thing, right? So let's start unpacking it a little bit. You know, I kind of hit on some of the data and something I want to share too. So again, you go from the beginning of the year, first trading day of the year, through either June fourteenth or June sixteenth. I don't have it right in front of me. I think it was the sixteenth. You look at the, 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 the headlines, and it's all doom and gloom and all the financial reports. And, I, and I, I remember there was a Wall Street Journal article that I read. And as, as these media outlets do, when the market does something bad or something good, 
they have their Rolodex of people in the industry that they can call, right? And they're, they're not calling to ask those people to make a prediction because they know the answer. The people are just trying to get a little bit of PR. They're you know, trying to get a little bit of publicity. And they answer the, these questions and make a prediction because they're asked, right? So I don't want to share anybody's names because this isn't about calling out any of the industry pros. But like you read the, the, like their comments and they're all like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, it's like it could get worse from here. It's going to get bad. And then, of course, what happens is the market spends that two months climbing, right, by, by, double, by double digits. So here we are, right? We're looking forward, as the market does, right? That's what we do. We look forward thinking about stocks. But here's the thing, right? There's the, there's the saying, Jeff, I want to share this. Um, the economy is not the stock market. The stock market is not the economy, right? We hear that. And I mean, let's be honest, the economic data, I think the best we could say about it is that it's mixed. So like on the job side, the unemployment side, the unemployment rate is basically at record low levels, you know, mid 3%, 3.5, 3.6%, somewhere on there. Um, <laughs> maybe that's about it. Maybe that's the one good thing. That when is, like that. the good news with the big day that kind of kicked off this this recent rally, um, that, that, that rally was when inflation had fallen below 9%, and that was the good news, Jeff. Right. Inflation wasn't terrible. It was just really bad. And right, right. Of a rally. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where, I, I guess the way I think about it, it seems like the market as an entity, and it's not an entity, it's made up of hundreds of millions of participants, all with their own goals and fears and greed and all of the things that... that drive businesses and people to make the decisions they make. But it seems like, it feels like it's at times it's just begging for something optimistic and, and other times it's just looking for a reason, a reason to sell. You know, it, it, it's interesting. You mentioned that article and you, you could replace that article with that T that financial TV show or that, you know, financial. Oh, yeah, there's a hundred versions of the same thing. Right. And, what I, what I always think of, what always jumps out of my mind is all that data that exists out there about, well, you know, not timing the market, because if you miss whatever it is, the 10 best days over the course of your investing career, it has enormous impact on your portfolio over that time frame. And I know or how just, much actual wealth you've created. Correct. And I know just looking at my own portfolio from that, you know, whatever it was, June 16th day before it kind of ticked back up for that, you know, four to six week run we had, I was astounded at how quickly, you know, really bad numbers in my portfolio turned into just bad numbers in my portfolio. You know, like one section of it that I keep an eye on actually went from red to green over that time. And it was pretty red before that. So it it was just, you know, real live data in, in my own portfolio about, man, if I had decided, if I had read that article on June 12th, and sold out of some stocks or went to cash partially or totally, I'd be sitting here now like, oh man, I just missed out on, you know, a pretty good run. And you just don't know when those runs are going to happen. Yeah. And it gets back to just the odds, right? David Gardner, one of the co-founders of The Motley Fool, where you and I both do some work, um, is, is known for pointing out that the, the market, when it falls, it tends to fall quickly. 
more it falls faster than it goes up generally but it tends to go up far more often than it falls right so you know you have i don't know between 60 and 70% of trading days the market will go up and between 30 to 35% of the time is when it goes down on average right so just based on that holding is is kind of in your favor right over the long term but i guess like we have to think about people's motivation why why do people want to know when the next crash is well i mean look everyone everyone wants to know things about the future generally but i think when it comes to investing your reason for wanting to know kind of depends on what your situation is right so if you are near the end of your investing career ready for retirement or if you are about to use some of the capital you've built up to buy a house or buy a car or do some major renovation or something like that. You get that first year of college tuition to pay for your kid. Right. If you have some life event you need that money for, you're living sort of the gambler's life of hoping, oh man, I hope the market doesn't crash right before I need it. And if you're in that position, you might read that article and say, you know what, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but just to be safe, I'm out. I'm going to go to cash and just protect what I have. And maybe that's the right decision because you shouldn't probably have that money in the market anyway if you need it that, <laughs> that close to now. Um, that's really good. That's really good. Um, I, I want to focus on that for a second before we keep going, Jeff. Um, I want to talk about the, the toolkit for a second here because with stocks, you have individual company risk right? Where something bad happens, the company doesn't perform, you pay too high, you take pay too high of a valuation, the company doesn't meet those expectations, the stock falls, and then you sell, right? You sell because the company's not performing and you sell at a loss, right? So there's that company, that individual company risk. And then broadly you have, you own index funds or you have a diversified portfolio. Then you have, broad market risk. And that generally is defined as volatility, right? And that's a short-term thing. And that's exactly what you were just talking about there, right? Because generally, yeah, we're dealing with inflation and, you know, hyper, not hyper, but very high inflation right now where it's between eight and 9% per year, which is very, very high, right? Your spending value goes down by that much, right? With stocks, if you had a tech-heavy stock portfolio at the beginning of the year, by the middle of the year, you had lost 30% of your, of your wealth in six months, right? You know, you look at that on a Kager base compared to 8 or 9% inflation, that is massive wealth destruction. Yeah, it's volatility. Crushed. Yep. It's crushing, right? It's crushing. And it's volatility. How do, you, how do you avoid that? Don't own stocks for short-term money. That's what you have money for, right? Stocks are ownership of companies that pay off over, over the long term, right? So again, I think this is like that toolkit thing here, where if you're worried about the market declining in the short term because it's going to materially affect your ability to pay for something in the real world, the problem's not when the, the market's going to turn, it's you own the wrong stuff, right? Yeah, and I think you have to have... I think of... I think of the financial situation I am in, speaking for myself, as being layers of types of 
wealth, right? So there's the things I need soon, and that's all in cash, or maybe I might have a short-term CD or something like that. Then there's the things that are maybe medium-term goals, right? Maybe I do have some stocks that I don't need right now, I don't need in the next five years, but if I hit a big winner and it appreciates way more than I'm thinking, I might use that for some short-term purchase, right? Or maybe I, you referenced college before. Maybe I use that three years, four years down the road to pay for a little bit of college. Not that that was my plan, but it was there and I used it. And then there's the long, long-term bucket. And that's the money that you, you just don't even need to think about until you're in retirement, near retirement, whatever it is. I think what's difficult for newer investors is if you started anywhere in the last couple years, regardless of how rough the market's been the past you know, in 2022, you lived through just an incredible open your brokerage every day and it's gone up for, you know, basically the the bottom of the COVID crash all the way through what the, the beginning of 2022, essentially. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, there was a period from the market bottom in March, 2020 over the next year where something like, don't quote me on exactly this, but it was something like 80% of U.S. stocks gained value, eighty percent, and eighty percent of the companies are not, if not are not great. <laughs> no, no. And, and here's the thing up. about it, right. So the the reality, like if you look at the long term, it's I don't know. It's like a third of companies. I think it's less than that. Again, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it's a small percentage of companies that generate essentially all of the returns, yeah. right? It's, it's not like a flip. It's not 20%, but it's a very small. And so many people, to your point, got lucky and thought they were good at picking stocks, right? And, and that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. And I think that's one of the things that's resulted in a lot of the wealth destruction that we've seen over the past eight or nine months is so many bad stock pickers that thought they were good stock pickers. And it's easy to think that. I mean, I'm I'm newer to stock investing, but not new to investing. And I can tell you that I thought I was a genius for owning Zoom when it was, you know, skyrocketing up. Um, You know, we we were talking about that exactly. For those not looking at your calendar, Zoom reported earnings today. Yeah. So stock fell again. Right. And, and And I haven't added to it in a long time because... You know, I realize I am not this amazing genius, and I need to really think about what I, how I really think about that as an investment. But that's just like one example for someone who wasn't brand new to the idea of investing. But I can see how for a lot of people who were brand new, it was easy to get trapped into that. So I think when we kind of take a step back though and think about, will there be another crash this year? It, I think it sounds like we're both sort of on the same page with like the answer to that question should be. It doesn't really matter to me because I'm insulated from it the best I can be. Yeah, I think I think it's almost, and that's I like that, Jeff. I do, but I want to take it a step further. And and you're not even asking the right question, right? I think is the key, and this is the big thing that's helped me as an investor over the past 15 years to have a, a certain level of success. And that's again, it gets back to that toolbox of cash and stocks and bonds and CDs and real estate and uh, doing other stuff to, to generate a little bit of income besides my primary job, right? So all of those different ways you can create and build wealth. 
and figure out which, and they're all tools, right? And figure out which one applies to the job that you're trying to accomplish, right? To the thing that you're trying to do, um, whether it's a th- you, you save money for your emergency fund and you might need it next month, or maybe you'll never need it, but you need to like have some kind of stable value to it, right? It's not about getting returns. It's about knowing that it's there if you need it. And then again, you have those long-term things that we talked about where things like stocks and owning real estate, not your house, but like real estate for an investment that generates income and pays for itself and grows in value. Um, you know, the, the stuff like that. Um, those are long-term assets that can generate, create wealth over the long-term. And then you get bonds that kind of fit somewhere in between, depending on what you need, right? Um, and, and again, I think people that are so focused on when the, is the next stock crash going to happen, they're not asking the right question because they're not thinking about their financial goals and making sure they're prepared. They're anti-fragile, first of all, to the risks with the market, which is that volatility, meaning it falls and you just got screwed because you really need a cash, not stocks, but you own stocks, right? And now you need to sell more of your stocks to get the amount of cash you need versus being in a situation where not just accepting the fact that you don't know when it's going to happen, right? But being ready to act and moving away from it as something that's a threat to you and instead viewing it as now it's an opportunity, right? Because I keep a little bit of dry powder, have a little bit of cash in my portfolio and I'm in my 40s, I'm earning income. So I'm in a position where I can invest more when we do get those market downturns and I can put a little bit more money to work that month or that quarter or that year if it takes a year or two or three, however long it takes. And I'm not really worried about when the crash happens because it's not going to hurt me. But I'm ready to let it help me get ahead, right? Yeah, I think you'll know when the shift happens inside of you when the market crashes or a stock you own crashes for a non-fundamentally, for a non-fundamental with a business reason, when that when you get excited instead of freaking out, right? So I... I know I've, I think I've positioned myself with my investments fairly well, where I've looked at, at 2022, it's a bummer, like no one wants to see their wealth disappear, but I've looked at it largely as an opportunity because there are companies in my portfolio that I plan on holding for 10, 20 years that I'm really confident are going to be great companies in 10 or 20 years. And when we look back, we're going to look at that like we look back at when Netflix had the whole quickster debacle, right? And right. And then the decade after off. that, it generated, I don't know, 20, 30 bagger returns. Right. Exactly. Right. right. So right. And that, that's an extreme example. But if you go back on any, any, find a company that's done well over the long term, and you can go back and find a year, a two years, a couple quarters, whatever it is, where they were hitting some bumpy patches. And I'm sure a lot of people said, this is it. They're done. They sold because they didn't really understand why they owned it. They didn't really understand the business. They were just following market sentiment. Um, and if you know why you own it, and you're confident in it, you can then look at a prolonged sell-off or even a non-prolonged sell-off as an enormous opportunity to buy shares at a much better valuation, a lower price, and that's going to reward you down the road. Yeah, and I think the key there is you just, it's part of it's focusing on the business, right? Understanding, you know, Zoom, for example, you mentioned that when the, the stock price has come down tremendously, its growth has slowed. It's, it's having some 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 challenges that it's like it's enterprise business going really well but like it's it's small medium business is shrinking and it's has a lot of churn so it's not 
the story has changed, right? But understanding how has the story changed within the long-term opportunity and the price you can buy that stock for today. I think that's kind of thinking about it. I'm going to, I'm going to push back on one thing that you said a little bit, because I think it's true, but it's very individual. You were talking about knowing how, when you go from that shift to being like kind of freaking out to like, you know, smacking your chops and rubbing your hands together, excited to go by. That's not always the case for everybody. Um, I've talked to a few different people that they're just having gone through multiple downturns, like depending on your life situation, it can still be terrifying, right? It can still absolutely be terrifying. And you can be absolutely frozen into not acting because when you're in the middle of that downturn, there's the the thing that we love to do, us stock jockeys that talk about this shit all day long, where we pull up the chart and we point to the bottoms and say, oh yeah, that's it. That was a great time to buy. Oh, look, there's no, that's a great time to buy. But then, yeah. We're geniuses. (laughs) That was 2009. Yeah. And like a billion people on the planet had lost their jobs and everybody knew somebody that had lost their home and unemployment was at the highest levels it had been at in decades. It's not easy to say, oh, yeah, this is a time to buy stocks when you don't know if you're still going to have a job in a month, right? Yeah. So, no, no, I, look, so, I, I'm glad you push back at me because I don't want to make it sound like there's no, there's no stress, there's no bad feelings. you know. And I'm also looking at it, too, again, just to kind of bring it back to my level of experience. Like when I look at my overall portfolio, I'm still at a point in my life where I know I have, you know, 15, 20, 25 years to recover this, right? I'd, I would feel right. very differently if I were listening to this and I were eyeing, you know, whatever, uh, early 2023 as my retirement date, <laughs> you know? So like, I'm not trying to minimize it in that sense, but I do think, I don't know, I, I don't think, I, I wonder if, I hope I am in a situation when I am at that point in my life where my level of freak out is at least reduced by the fact that I've positioned myself in a way where I can look at it as both, you know, something that's a little stressful, but then also on the other side, something that could be a little bit of an opportunity. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know, you know, history's on your side, you know, that the market has always recovered, you know, businesses have always improved and the market's favor has shifted back to stocks and move from that voting booth, short-term freak out to the weighing machine of long-term weighing the economic value of that business. So, hey, hey, people, um, this ain't investing advice. Maybe we, uh, we help you out a little bit, um, but you need to answer these questions for yourselves. Just remember that. Make your own decisions, people. You can do it. All right, Jeff. We'll see you next time. See you next time.